How many here uh, like the candy, like the mics? Never like the mics. Okay, there's a few. That's one of the King family favorite. I brought you just for those of you who are clueless about this favorite candy bar in the King family. Uh, Good and plenty. What's not? They're not the same. <laughs> but uh, they're the same shape, let's say. You know, Good and plenty are the licorice kind of thing. And which I don't like. Andy loves licorice. He loves a good bunny. I didn't like, I, I like, I like it. We like it. But uh, have you ever, uh, well, let's go to that picture. You know, there's all kinds of different types of uh, gumball machines that you see them around. Not as often in other places as you normally see them, but, you know, Frisch's has them and a few other stores have them. And I put up here some ones that are iconic, you know, the ones that are, that are ones of the big ones, and then you have put the quarter in, and then you get, you know, and then you turn the crank, and then the ball says it's coming right out of it, around and around. And around. Well, you know, uh, Something about gumball machines is that um, you have quarters. You get as much uh, item mics as you like, right? And uh, occasionally we do, uh, if we have a quarter or two, whatever store it is, and I have mic mics and things like that, you put the quarter in and get your candy. Instantaneous, right? Wow. Wouldn't it be great if life, faith, Answers the prayer just like that. You just put your quarter in, turn the crank, and next thing you know, you got your answer. Maybe that's what uh, fortune cookies are for, right? But you know what I'm talking about? It, wouldn't it be nice if all of us, you know, who have our own little gumball machine, or either mic machine, or a good money machine, or, or have you ever had those, nothing we like, are the little runts? You like the runts? Runts candy? I must be, there's a few connoisseurs of candy around here. Runs, you've never heard of runs? Oh my gosh. It, what it is, is this compressed sugar with a little <laughs> flavor inside. And, and it does break your tooth if teeth do much powerful time and time. Runs, Mike and Ike's. How about sugar babies? Anybody? Okay, no, that's, okay, now we're getting the flow of things. Chalk, more chocolate. Let's see. That's the one thing you have to figure out with gumball machines that you put chocolate in a gumball machine so it'll get gummed up or chocolate up or <laughs> because chocolate melts. Hot tamales. Hot tamales. Now that's a good one. Hot tamales are good. That worked. That worked. Yeah. yeah. All you have, but all you need is one little quarter. And you too can have a little handful of runs, hot tamales, Mike and Ike's, right here. We wish faith, we wish God and God's answers to prayer would be instantaneous. Faithfulness, here you go. This is all you need. But uh, it's not always that way. Because there's other things that might get in the way. And some of those you've heard already. Like two weeks ago, Anne-Marie talked about uh, being on the cliff and facing our fears and having to lift those fears up before God and releasing them. And sometimes fears prevent us from exercising our faith. And I talked last week how faith is rewarded and how we are rewarded in our faith. But it comes with hard work. Can you all say hard work? Hard, hard work. It's, it's hard work. Faith is hard work. We're not saved by hard work. 
We're saved by, by grace through faith. And our hard work is the fruitfulness that we carry on to show our faithfulness. But Ruth taught us that it takes hard work. It's not a fairy tale. It's a faith story. It's a God story. Now we come to the place in the story where we wish there was a big jar of whatever it is and all we need is one little token to fit that in there and find out what God wants us to be, what God wants us to do, where the church wants us to go. Well, God has a plan. That's what we see in Ruth 1 through 8, 4, 1 through 8, that God does have a plan for redemption, particularly for Ruth and Naomi. Here's the first thought that here's a picture of just uh, someone's rendition of what Ruth and Naomi will look like. But God had a plan for Naomi and Ruth's redemption. That would be through Boaz. But we're talking about the big picture. The big picture of redemption. God's plan, God's big picture of redemption for humanity. And here in the scriptures, we see Ruth and Boaz as two individuals that capture the picture, you might say, of God's plan for all of us. So just like God had a plan to save Naomi, God has a plan to save you. To save you. To experience God's love. God's second chances. To begin to see how you are a part of the big picture. And yes, it does not come by placing a quarter in a gumball machine and then there it is. There's what you have. The story of Ruth and Boaz presents a beautiful picture of Christ's love and redemption for humanity. Now, oftentimes in the church, well, we call the church a sheep. We see Christ as the groom. We see uh, the church as the bride. Married together. Here we have Ruth and Boaz. Ruth represents uh, the faithfulness of the church. But it's God's faithfulness to the church that we experience redemption, a relationship with God. And it's through Boaz, in this case Christ, Christ's love, shows us that when these two come together, redemption is seen and God's plan is carried out. God carries out the plan of redemption and the marriage relationship, you might say, between Christ and the church. Because of Christ's selfless love. That's why we, we like Boaz. He was keeping an eye not only on Ruth, but also Naomi. He wanted to take care of them. And went the extra mile, went the extra way to find a way to, to help the both of them and provide. So God's plan is to show us the big picture. And that you and I are a part of God's plan and we can experience God's love. 
well, in Romans, and I chose the message translation to help us understand what this gift, what this redemption is all about, what God's plan is all about. Paul writes in the message translation, out of sheer generosity, out of sheer generosity, God put us in a right standing with himself. A pure gift. That's God. I do not hear judgment here. I do not hear wrath in here. I do not hear persecution here or, or hate in here. What I hear is God is a generous God. God is a, that gives us a gift, a pure and holy. And God gives us this gift to put us in right relationship with Yahweh, with the Lord, with Jesus Christ, with God Almighty. And then the scripture goes on and says, He got us out of the mess we're in. Kind of get an amen to that? Amen? Haven't you been in some messes at times? <coughs> a mess spiritually? Because oftentimes, you know, if someone's come through something and they, or, you know, they have long days, man, you're a mess. Man, you look a mess. And tell me that it occurred to you, you're a mess. What's wrong with you? Well, Genesis, or God's generosity began to show how much of a mess we can begin without Jesus Christ. Without this pure gift, without the gift of God's love. And he takes us out of the mess and restores us to where he always wanted us to be. I like that. To where he always wanted us to be. Where God wanted us to be. Now you may think, well, this is where I want to be. But our minds need to communicate to our hearts from God so that we can be where God wants us to be. That's even a better place. And then this plan, God's plan of redemption. And he did it by the means of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the gift. In the translation, let's say, in Scripture we're talking about, Boaz is seen as the kins kinsman redeemer, the, the guardian redeemer, that in the tradition of the, the Jewish people, that who's going to take care of grandma? Who's going to take care of a woman that has no one to take care of? Who's, who's going to take care of her? Who's going to take care of her? And we hear the story how Boaz intentionally finds a way to redeem the both of them. Let's go on to the next thought. God uses us as instruments of redemption. God uses us as instruments of redemption. So really, it's not all God's big plan is Jesus Christ. But as believers, as Christians, as persons who want to uh, be all that God wants us to be, then there's a place where we become the instruments of redemption. Boaz became the instrument of redemption for Naomi and Ruth. And the picture you see up here is a hurricane. And it's all around us past month or so. But 
Harvey and Irma. And many of you have already given toward Uncor. Uh, we got almost $1,000 so far to send money to Uncor to help buy all the things that they need uh, in, uh, down in Texas and Florida. And you know, by the way, just to make you feel good about Young know, Men's Church, is that right when it happened, right when it happened, there were people from United Methodist Church, United Methodist Corps on Relief, were heading down there for uh, right as it was happening. And they didn't have to wait for a little old Trinity Church to collect some money and send it down there to do something about it. Because you were already in the places out there to help them because of our connection. Because of this instrument of redemption, United Methodist Church. Okay, here's, I'm like, maybe I'm always on my soapbox when I'm up here, but I'm going to get up on my soapbox. <laughs> and, I'll go ahead and say it. Um, the day of giving for hurricane relief and all that, great. All for it. Give, give, give on the day of giving. But shouldn't every day, as a Christian, shouldn't every day be a day of giving? I understand special giving, special offering, Red Cross, hurricane relief. Jeez, shouldn't it be every day that we consciously think about giving, giving back, giving other our heart, giving to other people? I maybe not. Maybe I'm just crazy and pastor. And that's how I think sometimes. I'm often so nice. So, but you, I've already been an instrument of redemption because of being part of the United Methodist Church. And yes. As we speak, we've almost had a thousand dollars being given today to our board. And there's a, uh, at the end of my message, I'll give you the opportunity to give in another way uh, as an instrument of redemption. But Boaz, good old Boaz, was in the right place, at the right time, in the right relationship, in the right mind, with the right purpose. And was the instrument that saved Ruth and Naomi. Someone that I don't know about his total character. We just know what the scripture tells us. Boaz. Boaz. Huh. His lineage must be something important. Something of significance. When you make yourself available to impact people. It blows up their faith in a good way. Hurricanes destroy. But when you make yourself available to impact people, those right around you, your family, those in your community, those who are part of your influence, when you have that, able to give of yourself, you're going to blow people away. What did you just do for me? You're going to blow up their faith. You're going to have the Holy Spirit blow through them. And they're going to see what God can do in their lives when you give. When you're an instrument of redemption. Well, there's a lot of biblical uh, characters, persons that we can look up to. One could be David. God chose David, his servant. He shepherded Israel with integrity of heart. In skillful hands, he led them. <coughs> Psalm 78. 
So God judged David as an instrument of redemption. Who were some others? Well, there's Joseph. The Joseph that was that was led into Egypt into slavery, or you know, into slavery, and he thought this was the end. And then, then when his family, his, his brothers needed something in their land, Joseph said, I'm in the right place at the right time to help you because now I'm a leader amongst the Egyptians. So Joseph, he's a redeemer. He's an instrument of redemption. But we can go on and on about the persons that were in the right place at the right time. Let's look at three. God's redemption leads to joy and worship. Scripture that uh, scripture read, Ruth and Boaz married. God blessed them with the son of Bed. The family rejoiced and recognized God's hand. And it seemed like this was all done out in public. Because all in the scriptures, all the women knew and said, wow, guess what happened? And there were elders that were part of the uh, last life. All these elders knew what happened. So it wasn't a private affair. It wasn't something that just right for a few people that knew. This was a, a, a event that took place. But here we find out son's name, Obed. Wonder why. Obed. Now, the scripture gives us a hint that we read that, that uh, there's a David theme going on here. David, King David. Uh, uh, one that was chosen uh, by God to lead the Israelite people as king. Did you ever meet your great-grandfather? Think about that. Great grandfather. Okay, one shape. Uh, great, great. So if you think about great grandfathers, there should be at least four, four, four great grandfathers. I knew, I knew three. I mean, I met three. Three great grandfathers. Great grandfather Strikeberger, great grandfather Graves, great grandfather Holland. Uh, the picture up here, this is what's going to me up, I think. Uh, that is, the old fell in the hat, is my great grandfather Graves. That's not me, <laughs> that's my cousin Chris. I didn't say, Chris, can you, can you find that picture for me? I just love that picture. My great-grandfather Graves lived in Linden, Ohio, on 28. They had a store, Graves Barbecue, in Linden, right next to the train station. My great-grandfather grew up in Log Pile. <laughs> Log Pile, Boone County. He was a telegraph operator here in Ross County in Musselman. Musselman, anybody? Musselman, Musselman? 
<laughs> it's a spot. Muscle one. Great grandfather's here pumping some water in a cup. Giving this water to Chris. And he's looking. Chris, I think we figured out like three or four. So I think it's 1970. 1970. Great grandfather. According to my understanding of genealogy as I read scripture, young David, his great grandfather was Boaz. I just, you know, I just my, my imagination. I just wonder where Boaz ever crossed paths. With David. Just things like this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That in the amount of years, you know, it's. <clears throat> but I'm sure David, even as a young man, heard about Boaz and what he did. Even if he never met. There's a lot of time in between. Not to set you up. We much would have faith like this. <laughs> Put a quarter in, get something out. I think God works in, in bigger ways, grander ways, more powerful ways. That involves time. That with a legacy of Boaz, <coughs> being told to a young man, David, and how that man pressed upon his heart to care not just for uh, his own, but for others as well when he became king. So Ruth and Boaz married, covenant. God blessed them with a, with a son, Obed, another covenant. And the family rejoiced and recognized God's handiwork, another covenant. Something satisfying about that. Extremely satisfying compared to a, a runt or a mite, a piece of gum. Maybe that's where we are as a church. Think about the great legacy that God has already given us. Because God has set you up. God has set you up. And right where you are now is where God wants you to be to make the biggest difference in the people right around you. You may not see that seed grow to fruitfulness. You may not see that that great-grandchild that becomes something greater. You may never see that. But you're in the right place at the right time to plant those seeds. And here's the words for future fruitfulness. Here's what a new believer said. When the walls fell, I became a new person in Christ and the world around me was transformed. 
when the walls fell. When the walls fell, I became a new person of Christ and the world around me was transformed. What this person was really saying is that did the world really change? Maybe the world was just as it's always been. But the new believer had new eyes, a new perspective, a new Savior. And he saw that he changed the world because he was transformed. That's all the big sign coming down. I think it took down now, but uh, one of the churches right down on this end, uh, Glorious Church, uh, Church of Glorious something. Uh, was they had a revival, that makes up revival. Revival. I'm praying for revival. I hope you're praying for revival. God, give us a revival. Let's have a revival meeting. But when we say that, we're telling God. What we're telling God, God changed me. It's not change people out there or there. When we say you want revival, you're saying, I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. Because that's where revival starts. They start right here and they, they blow up. God revived me. This new believer, the walls fell. He was revived. He saw the world in a whole new way. I remember when I gave my life to Christ. I hope you remember the day you gave your life to Christ. Or you know that moment when things completely changed? And I had, a, I, I had a worshipful heart. Worship, worship the Lord with gladness and come before Him with joyful songs. That is transformation. God's redemption leads to joy and worship. So what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? You're going to stick putting quarters in the gum machine and see what happens? Or are you going to do one of these three things? I decided to give my life to Christ and place my faith in Him as my Savior. Today's the best day. Today's the day to do that. After church come to me and say, God, God told me that I need, I need to do this. This is where, where I need to be. Talk to me. Or you can be an instrument of redemption. I'll be an instrument of redemption by putting together a clean kit bucket and bringing it back to the church next Sunday. And I have sheets here if you want to do, physically do that. has everything on it. Filling up a five-gallon bucket. Or we have a person here. Kay Davis says, if you want to give her some money, she'll, she'll put those things together. And if there's not this hurricane, it's going to be the next hurricane, right? So now is the time to be an instrument of redemption. Or here's, here's one that just kind of touches my heart and that touches yours. I will tell my kid, my grandkid, my kids, my grandkids, a time when God worked in my life, but I did not completely understand God's plan until later. You, grandparents, you got to tell your kids these things. Your grandkids. Because if you don't tell the story, no one else is going to do it for you. 
it's a whole list of stories I can tell about my, my grandmother and my grandfather's and, and the stories they told me about their faith. We can't keep it to ourselves anymore, people. Why? Because most people think it just takes a quarter and you get something. But you can tell them, I put my faith in God when I was a young person and it wasn't for a long time and God answered my prayer. That's a story of redemption. Let us pray. Jesus, we're here before you this morning. Knowing that every morning is a gift from you. And Jesus, we ask, ask that as you have touched the hearts of every person here, the Holy Spirit is blowing through this building in each heart. God, you are doing the work of redemption. You are doing the work of spirit lifting. You are doing the work of realizing how many times you have saved each person. God, we thank you for the persons who walk before us. These individuals are pictures of redemption. And then through them, we see the face of Jesus Christ. God, we honor you today. We praise you today. We give thanks to you today. And, and as a people collectively, we, we say amen before you. And everyone said, Amen.